section sixteen of famous adventures and prison escapes of the civil war by various this librivox recording is in the public domain section sixteen escape of general breckinridge by john taylor wood part one as one of the aides of president jefferson davis i left richmond with him and his cabinet on april second eighteen sixty five the night of evacuation and accompanied him through virginia the carolinas and georgia until his capture except lieutenant barnwell i was the only one of the party who escaped after our surprise i was guarded by a trooper a german who had appropriated my horse and most of my belongings i determined if possible to escape but after witnessing mr davis's unsuccessful attempt i was doubtful of success however i consulted him and he advised me to try taking my guard aside i asked him by signs for he could speak little or no english to accompany me outside the picket line to the swamp showing him at the same time a twenty dollar gold piece he took it tried the weight of it in his hands and put it between his teeth fully satisfied that it was not spurious he escorted me with his carbine to the stream the banks of which were lined with a few straggling alder bushes and thick saw grass i motioned him to return to camp only a few rods distant he shook his head saying nine nine i gave him another twenty dollar gold piece he chinked them together and held up two fingers i turned my pockets inside out and then satisfied that i had no more he left me creeping a little farther into the swamp i lay concealed for about three hours in the most painful position sometimes moving a few yards almost ventre a terre to escape notice for i was within hearing of the camps on each side of the stream and often when the soldiers came down for water or to water their horses i was within a few yards of them some two hours or more passed thus before the party moved the wagons left first then the bugle sounded and the president started out on one of his carriage horses followed by his staff and a squadron of the enemy shortly after their departure i saw someone leading two abandoned horses into the swamp and recognized lieutenant barnwell of our escort secreting the horses we picked up from the debris of the camp parts of two saddles and bridles and with some patching and tying fitted out our horses as sad and war-worn animals as ever man bestrode though weary and tired we gave the remains of the camp provisions to a mr finn for dinner he recommended us to widow polk's a few miles distant an old lady rich in cattle alone the day after my escape i met judah p benjamin as monsieur bonfals a french gentleman travelling for information in a light wagon with colonel levy who acted as interpreter with goggles on his beard grown a hat well over his face and a large cloak hiding his figure no one would have recognized him as the late secretary of state of the confederacy i told him of the capture of mr davis and his party and made an engagement to meet him near madison florida and there decide upon our future movements he was anxious to push on and left us to follow more leisurely passing as paroled soldiers returning home for the next three days we travelled as fast as our poor horses would permit leading or driving them for even if they had been strong enough their backs were in such a condition that we could not ride we held on to them simply in the hope that we might be able to dispose of them or exchange them to advantage 
but we finally were forced to abandon one on the thirteenth we passed through valdosta the first place since leaving washington in upper georgia in which we were able to purchase anything here i secured two hickory shirts and a pair of socks a most welcome addition to my outfit for except what i stood in i had left all my baggage behind near valdosta we found mr osborne barnwell an uncle of my young friend a refugee from the coast of south carolina where he had lost a beautiful estate surrounded with all the comforts and elegances which wealth and a refined taste could offer here in the pine forests as far as possible from the paths of war and almost outside of civilization he had brought his family of ladies and children and with the aid of his servants most of whom had followed him had built with a few tools a rough log cabin with six or eight rooms but without nails screws bolts or glass almost as primitive a building as robinson crusoe's but in spite of all drawbacks the ingenuity and deft hands of the ladies had given to the premises an air of comfort and refinement that was most refreshing here i rested two days enjoying the company of this charming family with whom lieutenant barnwell remained on the fifteenth i crossed into florida and rode to general finnegan's near madison here i met general breckinridge the late secretary of war of the confederacy alias colonel cabell and his aide colonel wilson a pleasant encounter for both parties mr benjamin had been in the neighborhood but hearing that the enemy were in madison had gone off at a tangent we were fully posted as to the different routes to the seaboard by general finnegan and discussed with him the most feasible way of leaving the country i inclined to the eastern coast and this was decided on i exchanged my remaining horse with general finnegan for a better giving him fifty dollars to boot leaving madison we crossed the sewanee river at moody's ferry and took the old st augustine road but seldom travelled in late years as it leads through a pine wilderness and there is one stretch of twenty miles with only water of bad quality at the diablo sinks I rode out of my way some fifteen miles to Mr. Uley's, formerly Senator of the United States and afterward Confederate Senator, hoping to meet Mr. Benjamin, but he was too wily to be found at the house of a friend. Mr. Uley was absent on my arrival, but Mrs. Uley, a charming lady and one of the noted family of beautiful women, welcomed me heartily. Mr. Uley returned during the night from Jacksonville and gave me the first news of what was going on in the world that I had had for nearly a month, including the information that Mr. Davis and party had reached Hilton Head on their way north. Another day's ride brought us to the house of the brothers William and Samuel Owens, two wealthy and hospitable gentlemen near Orange Lake here i rejoined general breckinridge and we were advised to secure the services and experience of captain dickinson we sent to waldo for him and a most valuable friend he proved during the war he had rendered notable services among others he had surprised and captured the united states gunboat columbine on the st john's river one of whose small boats he had retained and kept concealed near the banks of the river this boat with two of his best men he now put at our disposal with orders to meet us on the upper st john 
we now passed through a much more interesting country than the two or three hundred miles of pines we had just traversed it was better watered the forests were more diversified with varied species occasionally thickets or hummocks were met with and later these gave place to swamps and everglades with a tropical vegetation the road led by silver spring the clear and crystal waters of which show at the depth of hundreds of feet almost as distinctly as though seen through air we travelled incognito known only to good friends who sent us stage by stage from one to another and by all we were welcomed most kindly besides those mentioned i recall with gratitude the names of judge dawkins mr mann colonel summers major stork all of whom overwhelmed us with kindness offering us of everything they had of money they were as bare as ourselves for confederate currency had disappeared as suddenly as snow before a warm sun and greenbacks were as yet unknown before leaving our friends we laid in a three weeks supply of stores for we could not depend upon obtaining any further south on may twenty five we struck the st john's river at fort butler opposite volusia where we met russell and o'toole two of dickinson's command in charge of the boat and two most valuable and trustworthy comrades they proved to be either in camp or in the boat as hunters or fishermen the boat was a man-of-war's small four-oared gig our outfit was scanty but what was necessary we rapidly improvised here general breckinridge and i gave our horses to our companions and thus ended my long ride of a thousand miles from virginia stowing our supplies away we bade good-bye to our friends and started up the river with a fair wind our party consisted of general breckinridge his aide colonel wilson of kentucky the general servant tom who had been with him all through the war besides russell o'toole and i six in all with our stores arms etc it was a tight fit to get into the boat there was no room to lie down or to stretch at night we landed and like old campaigners were soon comfortable but at midnight the rain came down in bucketfuls and continued till nearly morning and notwithstanding every effort a large portion of our supplies were soaked and rendered worthless and what was worse some of our powder shared the same fate morning broke on a thoroughly drenched and unhappy company but a little rum and water with a corn dodger and the rising sun soon stirred us and with a fair wind we made a good day's run some thirty-five miles except the ruins of two huts there was no sign that a human being had ever visited these waters for the war and the occasional visit of a gunboat had driven off the few settlers the river gradually became narrower and more tortuous as we approached its headwaters the banks were generally low with a few sandy elevations thickly wooded or swampy occasionally we passed a small opening or savanna on which were sometimes feeding a herd of wild cattle and deer at the latter we had several pot shots all wide alligators as immovable as the logs on which they rested could be counted by hundreds and of all sizes up to twelve or fifteen feet occasionally as we passed uncomfortably near we could not resist even with our scant supply of ammunition giving them a little cold lead between the head and shoulders the only vulnerable place 
with a fair wind we sailed the twelve miles across lake monroe a pretty sheet of water the deserted huts of enterprise and mellonville on each side above the lake the river became still narrower and more tortuous dividing sometimes into numerous branches most of which proved to be mere cul-de-sacs the long moss reaching from the overhanging branches to the water gave to the surroundings a most weird and funereal aspect on may twenty nine we reached lake harney whence we determined to make the portage to indian river o'toole was sent to look for some means of moving our boat he returned next day with two small black bulls yoked to a pair of wheels such are used by lumbermen their owner was a compound of caucasian african and indian with the shrewdness of the white the good temper of the negro and the indolence of the red man he was at first exorbitant in his demands but a little money some tobacco and a spare fowling piece made him happy and he was ready to let us drive his beast to the end of the peninsula it required some skill to mount the boat securely on the wheels and to guard against any upsets or collisions for our escape depended upon carrying it safely across the next morning we made an early start our course was an easterly one through a roadless flat sandy pine barren with an occasional thicket and swamp from the word go trouble with the bulls began their owner seemed to think that in furnishing them he had fulfilled his part of the contract they would neither gee nor haw if one started ahead the other would go astern if by accident they started ahead together they would certainly bring up with their heads on each side of a tree occasionally they would lie down in a pool to get rid of the flies and only by the most vigorous prodding could they be induced to move paul the owner would loiter in the rear but was always on hand when we halted for meals finally we told him no work no grub no drive bulls no tobacco this roused him to help us two days were thus occupied in covering eighteen miles it would have been less labor to have tied the beast put them into the boat and hauled it across the portage the weather was intensely hot and our time was made miserable by day with sand flies and by night with mosquitoes the waters of indian river were a most welcome sight and we hoped that most of our troubles were over paul and his bulls of bashan were gladly dismissed to the wilderness our first care was to make good any defects in our boat some leaks were stopped by a little caulking and pitching already our supply of provisions began to give us anxiety only bacon and sweet potatoes remained the meal was wet and worthless and what was worse all our salt had dissolved however with the waters alive with fish and some game on shore we hoped to pull through we reached indian river or lagoon opposite cape carnaveral it extends along nearly the entire eastern coast of florida varying in width from three to six miles and is separated from the atlantic by a narrow sand ridge which is pierced at different points by shifting inlets it is very shoal so much so that we were obliged to haul our boat out nearly half a mile before she would float and the water is teeming with stingrays swordfish crabs etc but once afloat we headed to the southward with a fair wind for four days we continued to make good progress taking advantage of every fair wind by night as well as by day 
here as on the st john's river the same scene of desolation as far as human beings were concerned was presented we passed a few deserted cabins around which we were able to obtain a few coconuts and watermelons a most welcome addition to our slim commissariat unfortunately oranges were not in season whenever the breeze left us the heat was almost suffocating there was no escape for it if we landed and sought any shade the mosquitoes would drive us at once to the glare of the sun when sleeping on shore the best protection was to bury ourselves in the sand with cap drawn down over the head my buckskin gauntlets proved invaluable if in the boat to wrap the sail or tarpaulin around us besides this plague sand flies gnats swamp flies ants and other insects abounded the little black ant is especially bold and warlike if in making our beds in the sand we disturbed one of their hives they would rally in thousands to the attack and the only safety was in a hasty shake and change of residence passing indian river inlet the river broadens and there is a thirty mile straightway course to gilbert's bar or old inlet now closed then begin the jupiter narrows where the channel is crooked narrow and often almost closed by the dense growth of mangroves juniper sawgrass etc making a jungle that only a water snake could penetrate several times we lost our reckoning and had to retreat and take a fresh start an entire day was lost in these everglades which extend across the entire peninsula finally by good luck we stumbled on a short haulover to the sea and determined at once to take advantage of it and to run our boat across and launch her in the atlantic a short half mile over the sand dunes and we were clear of the swamps and marshes of indian river and were reveling in the atlantic free at least for a time from mosquitoes which had punctured and bled us for the last three weeks on sunday june four we passed jupiter inlet with nothing in sight the lighthouse had been destroyed the first year of the war from this point we had determined to cross florida channel to the bahamas about eighty miles but the wind was ahead and we could do nothing but work slowly to the southward waiting for a slant it was of course a desperate venture to cross this distance in a small open boat which even a moderate sea would swamp our provisions now became a very serious question as i have said we had lost all the meal and the sweet potatoes our next mainstay were sufficient only for two days more we had but little more ammunition than was necessary for our revolvers and these we might be called upon to use at any time very fortunately for us it was the time of the year when the green turtle deposits its eggs russell and o'toole were old beachcombers and had hunted eggs before sharpening a stick they pressed it into the sand as they walked along and whenever it entered easily they would dig after some hours search we were successful in finding a nest which had not been destroyed and i do not think prospectors were ever more gladdened by the sight of the yellow than we were at our find the green turtle's egg is about the size of a walnut with a white skin like parchment that you can tear but not break the yolk will cook hard but the longer you boil the egg the softer the white becomes 
the flavor is not unpleasant and for the first two days we enjoyed them but then we were glad to vary the fare with a few shellfish and even with snails from cape carnaveral to cape florida the coast trends nearly north and south in a straight line so that we could see at a long distance anything going up or down the shore some distance to the southward of jupiter inlet we saw a steamer coming down running close to the beach to avoid the three and four knot current of the stream from her yards and general appearance i soon made her out to be a cruiser so we hauled our boat well up on the sands turned it over on its side and went back among the palmettos when abreast of us and not more than half a mile off with colors flying we could see the officer of the deck and others closely scanning the shore we were in hopes they would look upon our boat as flotsam and jetsam of which there was more or less strewn upon the beach to our great relief the cruiser passed us and when she was two miles or more to the southward we ventured out and approached the boat but the sharp lookout saw us and to our astonishment the steamer came swinging about and headed up the coast the question at once arose what was the best course to pursue the general thought we had better take to the bush again and leave the boat hoping they would not disturb it colonel wilson agreed with his chief i told him that since we had been seen the enemy would certainly destroy or carry off the boat and the loss meant if not starvation at least privation and no hope of escaping from the country besides the mosquitoes would suck us dry as egyptian mummies i proposed that we should meet them halfway in company with russell and o'toole who were paroled men and fortunately had their papers with them and i offered to row off and see what was wanted he agreed and launching our boat and throwing in two buckets of eggs we pulled out by this time the steamer was abreast of us and had lowered a boat which met us halfway i had one oar and o'toole the other to the usual hail i paid no attention except to stop rowing a tin-oared cutter with a smart-looking crew dashed alongside the sheen was not yet off the lace and buttons of the youngster in charge with revolver in hand he asked us who we were where we came from and where we were going cap'n said i please put away our pistol i don't like the looks of it and i'll tell you all about us we've been rebs and there ain't no use saying we weren't but it's all up now and we got home too late to put in a crop so we just made up our minds to come down shore and see if we couldn't find something it's all right cap'n we've got our papers want to see em got em fixed up at jacksonville o'toole and russell handed him their paroles which he said were all right he asked for mine i turned my pockets out looked in my hat and said i must have dropped mine in camp but it's just the same as theirn he asked who was ashore i told him there's more of winds bilin some turtle legs for dinner cap'n i'd like to swap some eggs for tobacco or bread his crew soon produced from the slack of their frocks pieces of plug which they passed on board in exchange for our eggs i told the youngster if he'd come to camp we'd give him as many as he could eat our hospitality was declined among other questions he asked if there were any batteries on shore a battery on a beach where there was not a white man within a hundred miles up oars let go forward let fall give way were all familiar orders but never before had they sounded so welcome as they shoved off the coxswain said to the youngster that looks like a man-o-war's gig sir but he paid no attention to him 
we pulled leisurely ashore watching the cruiser the boat went up to the davits at a run and she started to the southward again the general was very much relieved for it was a narrow escape the wind still holding to the southward and eastward we could work only slowly to the southward against wind and current at times we suffered greatly for want of water our usual resource was to dig for it but often it was so brackish and warm that when extreme thirst forced its use the consequences were violent pains and retchings one morning we saw a few wigwams ashore and pulled in at once and landed it was a party of seminoles who had come out of the everglades like the bears to gather eggs they received us kindly and we devoured ravenously the remnants of their breakfast of fish and kunti only the old chief spoke a little english not more than two or three hundred of this once powerful and warlike tribe remain in florida they occupy some islands in this endless swamp to the southward of lake okeechobee they have but little intercourse with the whites and come out on the coast only at certain seasons to fish we were very anxious to obtain some provisions from them but excepting kunti they had nothing to spare this is an esculent resembling arrowroot which they dig pulverize and use as flour cooked in the ashes it makes a palatable but tough cake which we enjoyed after our long abstinence from bread the old chief took advantage of our eagerness for supplies and determined to replenish his powder horn nothing else would do not even an old coat or fish hooks or a cavalry saber would tempt him powder only he would have for their long heavy small bore rifles with flint locks such as davy crockett used we reluctantly divided with him our very scant supply in exchange for some of their flour we parted good friends after smoking the pipe of peace on the seventh off new river inlet we discovered a small sail standing to the northward the breeze was very light so we downed our sail got out our oars and gave chase the stranger stood out to seaward and endeavored to escape but slowly we overhauled her and finally a shot caused her mainsail to drop as we pulled alongside i saw from the dress of the crew of three that they were man-of-war's men and divined that they were deserters they were thoroughly frightened at first for our appearance was not calculated to impress them favorably to our questions they returned evasive answers or were silent and finally asked by what authority we had overhauled them we told them that the war was not over so far as we were concerned that they were our prisoners and their boat our prize that they were both deserters and pirates the punishment of which was death but that under the circumstances we would not surrender them to the first cruiser we met but would take their paroles and exchange boats to this they strenuously objected they were well armed and although we outnumbered them five to three not counting tom still if they could get the first beat on us the chances were about equal they were desperate and not disposed to surrender their boat without a tussle the general and i stepped into their boat and ordered the spokesman and leader to go forward he hesitated a moment and two revolvers looked him in the face sullenly he obeyed our orders the general said wilson disarm that man the colonel with pistol in hand told him to hold up his hands he did so while the colonel drew from his belt a navy revolver and a sheath knife the other two made no further show of resistance but handed us their arms the crew disposed of i made an examination of our capture 
unfortunately her supply of provisions was very small only some salt horse and hardtack with a breaker of fresh water and we exchanged part of them for some of our conati and turtle's eggs but it was in our new boat that we were particularly fortunate sloop rigged not much longer than our gig but with more beam and plenty of freeboard decked over to the mast and well found in sails and rigging after our experience in a boat the gunwale of which was not more than eighteen inches out of the water we felt that we had a craft able to cross the atlantic our prisoners submitting to the inevitable soon made themselves at home in their new boat became more communicative and wanted some information as to the best course by which to reach jacksonville or savannah we were glad to give them the benefit of our experience and on parting handed them their knives and two revolvers for which they were very thankful later we were abreast of green turtle key with wind light and ahead still with all these drawbacks we were able to make some progress our new craft worked and sailed well after a little addition of ballast before leaving the coast we found it would be necessary to call at fort dallas or some other point for supplies it was running a great risk for we did not know whom we should find there whether friend or foe but without at least four or five days rations of some kind it would not be safe to attempt the passage across the gulf stream however before venturing to do so we determined to try to replenish our larder with eggs landing on the beach we hunted industriously for some hours literally scratching for a living but the ground had evidently been most effectually gone over before as the tracks of bears proved a few onions washed from some passing vessel were eagerly devoured we scanned the washings along the strand in vain for anything that would satisfy hunger nothing remained but to make the venture of stopping at the fort this fort like many others was established during the seminole war and at its close was abandoned it is near the mouth of the miami river a small stream which serves as an outlet to the overflow of the everglades its banks are crowded to the water's edge with tropical verdure with many flowering plants and creepers all the colors of which are reflected in its clear waters the old barracks were in sight as we slowly worked our way against the current located in a small clearing with coconut trees in the foreground the white buildings made with a backing of deep green a very pretty picture we approached cautiously not knowing with what reception we should meet as we neared the small wharf we found waiting some twenty or thirty men of all colors from the pale yankee to the ebony congo all armed a more motley and villainous looking crew never trod the deck of one of captain kidd's ships we saw at once with whom we had to deal deserters from the army and navy of both sides with a mixture of spaniards and cubans outlaws and renegades a burly villain towering head and shoulders above his companions and whose shaggy black head scorned any covering hailed us in broken english and asked who we were wreckers i replied that we left our vessel outside and had come in for water and provisions he asked where we had left our vessel and her name evidently suspicious which was not surprising for our appearance was certainly against us our headgear was unique 
the general wore a straw hat that napped over his head like the ears of an elephant colonel wilson an old cavalry cap that had lost its visor another a turban made of some number four duck canvas and all were in our shirt-sleeves the colors of which were as varied as joseph's coat i told him we had left her to the northard a few miles that a gunboat had spoken us a few hours before and had overhauled our papers and had found them all right after a noisy powwow we were told to land that our papers might be examined i said no but if a canoe were sent off i would let one of our men go on shore and buy what we wanted i was determined not to trust our boat within a hundred yards of the shore finally a canoe paddled by two negroes came off and said no one but the captain would be permitted to land o'toole volunteered to go but the boatmen would not take him evidently having had their orders i told them to tell their chief that we had intended to spend a few pieces of gold with them but since he would not permit it we would go elsewhere for supplies we got out our sweeps and moved slowly down the river a light breeze helping us the canoe returned to the shore and soon some fifteen or twenty men crowded into four or five canoes and dugouts and started for us we prepared for action determined to give them a warm reception even tom looked after his carbine putting on a fresh cap End of section sixteen.